Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. So I lived in Central Florida for 15 years. Uh, Some of you know that. And where I lived was about a two-hour drive to Cape Canaveral, Florida. And Cape Canaveral is where they launched the shuttle. And in 15 years, I always said I was going to go and watch the shuttle launch live. Because it's one of those things that you rarely get to do. And I didn't even know that they had plans to end the shuttles. And now they don't fly the shuttles anymore. So you don't even have an opportunity to see it at all anymore. And I said to myself, while we were there, we're living in Florida. We are going to go and watch the shuttle. And it's great because even from where we were from, you could see it. You you listened on the radio and they told you when it was coming and cars would pull over to the side of the road. And and you really couldn't see the shuttle. You just saw the vapor trail as it slowly moved up across the sky. And every time that the shuttle was about to launch... And there was an opportunity to drive out there at four o'clock in the morning and go watch the shuttle launch. I said to myself, eh, there's always next time. And I said that for 13 years. There's always next time. And so probably one of my biggest regrets of my time that we spent uh, out there was that in all that time, I never got to see the space shuttle launch. Because I kept telling myself, it's always next time. There wasn't really any impetus to move forward and to actually do something. And so in our series that we started last week, You in Five Years, what we have been talking about is that um, if we don't make any changes, then who we are five years from now is simply going to be an exaggerated version of who we are today. And so the thing that we talked about last week, if you were here, you remember what we said was that the ways you let in become the ways that you are set in. In other words, the ways that we let into our lives. And when I talk about the ways that I'm talking about the decisions we make, the uh, the decision whether or not to go to this party or not go. The decision to take this job or don't take that job. The decision of what words are we going to use when we're talking to somebody? Are they going to be kind words? Are they going to be unkind words? Those are the ways. And the ways that we let in, the ways that we allow ourselves to live in day by day become the ways that we are set in. And so that's what we said. That unless something different happens, who you are five years from today is simply a exaggerated, larger version of who you are today. And so the question that we asked, and the question that we're really going to be asking throughout the series is this. Who could I be in five years? Five years from now, who could I be? Could I be different? Or am I just going to be me, but five years older? Well, I'm going to be me, but five years older. But who is me going to be? Is it still going to be me? 
So today what I want to do is I want us to, to kind of take a look at the life of somebody who, who Scripture talks about, a life of a man who Scripture covers for a big chunk of his life, and see if there's something in his life that we can look at that might show us something that will help us as we're looking past the simple New Year's resolution, past what can I do to make 2019 better, and see what can I do to make 2024 better. All right, so we're going to be looking at uh, the life of a man named Elisha. Now, in order to understand Elisha, who was a prophet in the ancient, um, in ancient Israel, so we're talking about 4,300 years ago, in order to understand who Elisha was, you had to understand who Elijah was. See, Elijah was what, what um, church people call a major prophet. And so what's the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet? Well, a major prophet has done some pretty amazing things. And Elijah did some pretty amazing miracles. And that's why we call him a major prophet. Elisha, for a long, long time, as we're going to see, followed in Elijah's footsteps. So we're going to look at Elisha, and this is the first time that we see Elisha. It says here, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. So Elisha, the guy we're talking about, Elisha, he, didn't, he wasn't a prophet when Elijah found him. Elisha was a business owner. He, he, he and his family had a business, Shaphat Inc., it was a family business, right? And it goes on and it tells us this. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Now, we're sitting here today in 2019 in South San Francisco, and so we hear 12 oxen, and we think, oh, that's cute. But we have to understand that what this meant in this particular time, because in this particular time, most farmers didn't have even one oxen. So an oxen to a farmer back then was like, like, a, like a big, huge John Deere tractor. You ever see a big, huge John Deere tractor? Now, I'm not talking about the little riding mowers that you find at, at Home Depot. I'm talking about the big ones, the ones that you need a ladder to climb up on. One of those, brand new, probably costs you half a million dollars. He's got 12 of them. This isn't a small operation. Shafat Inc. was one of the biggest companies around. And he was the guy that was in charge. And so he's there and he's plowing the field with the 12th team. And it says this, it says, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders, threw his cloak across Elisha's shoulders, and then walked away. Now, that Again, a simple reading. It sounds like he walked by, threw his jacket on the guy, and walked out, right? But that word cloak is the Hebrew word adareth. And an adareth was more than just a jacket. An adareth was made out of animal skin, and, 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 and there's a, 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 a meaning around it that, that says that it was hairy, so there was a lot of hair on this animal skin. But to really understand the significance, you have to know that the adareth is what covered the prophet 
and it was only attached to his loincloth. Boxer briefs. Actually, they're probably more like Speedos. And this was all that Elijah, the prophet, the major prophet had on, was his adoreth that was strapped to his Speedos. So imagine this. Here's the prophet. He's walking across the field. He gets to where Elisha is, who is on his big John Deere oxen. He takes off his adoreth, and now he's just standing there in his underwear, and he takes it and he throws it onto Elisha, and then he just walks away in his underwear across the field. Now, we look at that and we think, all right, that sounds interesting. But Elisha knew exactly what it meant. He knew exactly the significance of what had just happened. You see, Elijah, he was famous. Everybody knew him. So when Elijah is walking towards you in the field, you know something's about to happen. And when he takes off his, his adoreth and he puts it on top of you, he didn't notice Elijah didn't say a word. He didn't whisper anything to him. All he did was walk by, unzip, throw it on him, and walk away. And this is what Elisha did. It says, Elisha left the oxen standing there. It was still running. The keys are in it. He ran after Elijah and said to him, first, in other words, before anything, first, before what it is that I know that you're trying to say to me, first, before we go on with what the significance is of you putting this thing on me, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye. Because whenever you're going to go do something significant, you got to kiss your mom goodbye. He says, I'm going to do that first. And then I will go with you. And then I will go with you. Well, for us, we still don't know exactly what's going on here. But the, if you um, have your uh, Bibles and you look for this text... The word that they use cloak there in some translations, in fact, in most translations, they use the word mantle. It's where we get the concept of the mantle of leadership or when you're passing the mantle from one person to another. See, the significance of what was happening here is that Elijah was saying, I am preparing to pass the mantle to you. You are the one who's going to receive it. That was the significance. And Elisha knew this. And he said, before I do anything else, I've got to wrap up my stuff. And so the next thing he does. Oh, wait. Elijah replied. And he says, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Now, the significance of the phrase that's highlighted there, done to you, is that when you look at it in the Hebrew, it's saying that something was done to him that wasn't done by Elijah. In other words, what Elijah wants Elisha to make sure of, to make sure that he understands is, is that what just happened wasn't something that Elijah started. It was something that God started. And so he says, okay, go. So Elisha returned to his oxen and check this out. He slaughtered them. Now that seems a bit drastic, doesn't it? 
I mean, your 12 John Deere tractors, you know, you're, you've decided you're going to quit the business. Nobody dismantles them and buries them, right? You sell them. You put them on eBay. You try to get some money out of it. But that's not what he did. He slaughtered them. In fact, not just the oxen, because remember that the oxen have a yoke, a a big wooden bar that comes across the two oxen that are pulling as a team. And there's a plow in the middle that's digging up the field. So he takes all of that, all of the wood that was there, and he uses that to build a bonfire to roast the oxen. Elijah, Elijah just comes and throws his jacket on this guy, and all of a sudden, he is now having a barbecue. But it's not just for him. It says he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. When Elisha got the call, he didn't stop at telling his family. He told everybody and he made sure that once he went to do what he was called to do, there was no turning back. He took very drastic action. Now, here's the weird part. This is pretty elaborate, right? I mean, we can all agree that burning up, even if they were just oxen, just burning up 18 big, huge cows and having a barbecue to send yourself off is a big deal. This was a big deal. But for the next 18 years, see, he went with Elijah As his assistant for 18 years, Elisha is doing nothing but following Elijah. In fact, the only thing that we hear about what Elisha is doing in those 18 years is this. There's a situation where where the king is asking, is there any prophet around? And they're talking about Elisha and he says, Elisha the son of Shaphat, so that we're sure that it's the same Elisha, is here, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now think about that. For 18 years, the most significant thing that he did was basically hand Elijah a bottle of Purell. For 18 years, that was the most significant thing that he did. Now can you imagine being Elisha? Like maybe not in the first year, or maybe not in the second year, but how about in the ninth year, or the twelfth year, or the fifteenth year? Wouldn't you be thinking, man, what am I doing here? I could be somebody. But wait a second, this is the guy with the twelve oxen in the field. He was somebody. And for 18 years, all he did was pour water. This is how the mantle passes to Elisha. They're walking towards the uh, Jordan River. And the Jordan River, if you've ever been there, there are parts of it where it's pretty deep, but there are parts of it where it's just a bit of a trickle. You still need to cross over to the Jordan River to get to where they were going, right? So it says, when they came to the other side, it's the other side of the river, Elijah said to Elisha, because now Elijah knows that his time has come. Elijah knows that in a couple of days, 
very, very soon, he's about to leave. He's about to be done, and he's passing everything on to Elisha. So now he's saying, Elisha, listen, I'm about to go. Tell me, what can I do for you? And this is Elisha's response. He says, and Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Now think about that. Elijah is a major prophet, right? Scripture records about 14 major miracles that Elijah does. And Elisha, he says, I want a double share of what you got. Now, isn't that so unlike who we are today? One of the things that we always say is, oh, well, if I could just be half as good as you, right? We say stuff like that. Not Elisha. He said, hold on a second. If I'm going to do this, I want double. Bring it on. And Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing. Now, when we read this, it sounds like Elijah is saying, you've asked something that's hard for me to do. But that's not what the phrase means in Hebrew. In Hebrew, what Elijah is saying is, you've asked for something difficult to be given to you. It's not easy to have a double portion. It's not easy to be responsible for double what the major prophet did. But that's what he's asking. And I have to think that when God is, you know, experiencing this and he's listening to Elisha, that he's going, yeah, that's what I want to see. I don't want somebody who's going to say, let me just walk in your shadow. Let me just do even half of what you were able to do. No, he steps up and he says, no, I want double. I want to do more. And that's what he says. And then Elijah says this, right? And this, this part to me really spoke to me because he says this. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Now we look at this and it seems like it's some kind of random thing. Like you've got to follow me around now to watch me so that you can see me go. Because if you don't see me go, then you're not going to get what you want. But I don't think that that's what he's saying here. I think what he's saying here is, listen, something is going to happen to you. And if you don't pay attention in your life to the important things that happen to you, you're going to miss it. Have you ever had something in your life happen? And years later, you look back and you realize that you missed it. And so what Elijah is telling Elisha here is he's saying, listen, you have got to pay attention. Because what you asked is going to come to you. But if you are not looking, you might miss it. And as they were walking along, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. I like that. I mean, if I got to go, that's the way I want to go. Chariot of fire, drawn by horses of fire. All you need is a band. And you are just set. I mean, that is the way to go. And this is the way that Elijah is going to go. So there's a chariot of fire and it drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Imagine what this looks like to Elisha. Bunch of horses that are on fire, a cart that's on fire. Elijah jumps on. Now he's in a whirlwind. Whirlwind is going up in the air with the horses and the cart. And the fire and Elijah. And he's just like, what in the world is happening here? And out of all of that whirlwind, out of all of that excitement, look what happens. 
and they disappeared from sight. Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Now, that's just something that they did at that time because he's sad now. He's sad that Elijah, who he had been following for 18 years, is gone, so he tore his clothes. And then Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, the Adareth, which had fallen when he was taken up. That same cloak that apparently after it was given to Elisha, went back to Elijah, probably because Elisha didn't want him walking around in his underwear from place to place. But as he's going up into the sky, the whirlwind, the, he- the, the horses, the chariot, out falling from the whirlwind comes Elijah's cloak. That's all that's left of him. And he picked it up. He took it with him. And then this interesting thing happened. And and, and to get it, we have to remember back. Remember when Elijah and Elisha were there at the edge of the Jordan River and they were trying to pass through? You know how they got to pass through? Was that Elijah took his cloak, his Adareth, and he threw it at the water and the water parted. It was like a mini Moses thing. That's how they were able to cross over the Jordan. So now Elisha, 18 years have passed. Elisha comes and he returns to the bank of the Jordan River. And everybody is watching him. And what does he do? He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? In other words, okay, I picked up the mantle. I understand it. Now, God, where are you? And how does God respond? The river divided and Elisha went across. He went across. There's an interesting thing. There's a couple of interesting things that we can see from uh, this experience about how we can look at five years having gone or or five years from now for us. Eighteen years for Elijah. There's some things that that we see in what was happening in Elisha's life that I think we can use to kind of tell us a little bit about what we need to do in our lives. The first thing is, is that, is that distracting you? Because we're not really there yet. Let me go back. Oh, that's forward. Here we go. The first thing is this. It took something drastic to get Elisha started. Right? I mean, that's a pretty drastic thing to do. It, it was pretty, it was a pretty big step for him to not just say, Mom, Dad, I'm leaving now, so I'm going to leave you with the oxen. He burned everything down, so there was nothing for him to come back to. And, and that's an important thing. Because for us, there's so many things in our lives that we say we want to do, that we say we could do, but there's nothing really drastic that makes us go. Right? And so for, for 15 years, you always tell yourself, yeah, I'm going to go see the shuttle, and you never go. Because there's nothing really pushing you to go. So there's nothing really pushing you to eat better. There's nothing pushing you to start to exercise. There's nothing pushing you to start saving money. There's nothing pushing you to stop using credit cards. There's nothing pushing you to do the hard things. And so we just keep going the way that we're going. There's a, a, a book that I, I just started listening to because I got this thing where you listen to books now. It's so much easier than reading. And so I, and it was written by an FBI hostage negotiator, and it, it's all about how to negotiate. And one of the things that he writes in there is that, is, is that uh, when people are in crisis, it's amazing how they can do things that you never thought that you could do. 
Like if I went to you right now and I said, okay, I need $100,000, you'd say there's no way I can come up with $100,000. I mean, it wouldn't even be a conversation, $100,000. Where am I going to get $100,000 from? But if someone kidnapped one of your children and you needed to get $100,000 in three days, I bet you we'd find it. Right? We can do drastic things when we're in a crisis. And sometimes it takes that crisis to get us started. And that's what it was for Elisha. In fact, if you ever listen to Tony Robbins, one of the things Tony Robbins talks about is is that we don't change unless the pain is more intense than the pain of changing. The pain of staying is more than the pain of changing. But for us, the pain of staying is so small, so we just hang in there. And so it takes sometimes something dramatic for us to go, for us to move. That's why baptism is so dramatic. That's why we invite people all the time to make that decision and to be baptized. Because it's kind of a weird thing when you think about it. I'm going to invite a bunch of my family and friends, plus a whole bunch of other people who really I might not know very well. And I'm going to go fully clothed into a tub. I'm going to get dunked in the tub and I'm going to come out soaking wet. But it takes something drastic to get you started down the path. And that's what, Elisha, that's what happened with Elisha. It, it took something drastic. Because as we see from um, Sir Isaac Newton and his first law of motion, an object at rest stays at rest, right? When we're where we are, inertia keeps us where we are. When we are along a certain path in our lives, inertia keeps us along the path. It's hard to move out of it. In fact, the word inertia comes from the Latin word inerse, which means lazy. That's what inertia is. It's laziness. And so we stay along that path. It's hard to overcome inertia. And so here's Elisha. And 18 years, all he's doing is pouring and pouring and pouring. But it's in those 18 years where Elisha is making the steps every single day that he needs to do to prepare himself for what God had planned for him. Every single day. It's like, um, it's like the difference between compound interest and gambling. Some of us, we understand and we live our lives under the principle of compound interest, which is you put in and it increases slowly a little bit at a time. Remember last week we talked about the domino and the domino was only this big. But by the time we got to the 39th domino, it was as tall as the Empire State Building. That's compound interest. Slow, a little bit at a time. Some of us have lived our lives based on gambling. We just want to put a little bit of effort in pull on the arm and hope that we get the 777 and hit the jackpot. We want it right away. Um, There's a a great quote by um, Darren Hardy who wrote the book, The Compound Effect, and, and this is what it says. It says, it's time someone told it to you straight. Now, I want you to pay attention because some of you in here, like me, need to hear this. It's time someone told it to you straight. You have been bamboozled for too long. There is no magic bullet, secret formula, or quick fix. You don't make 200 grand a year 
spending two hours a day on the internet. You don't lose 30 pounds in a week, rub 20 years off your face with a cream, fix your love life with a pill, or find lasting success with any other scheme that is too good to be true. It'd be great if you could buy your success, fame, self-esteem, good relationships, and health and well-being in a nicely clamshell package at the local Walmart. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It takes time. And not only does it take time, but it takes those decisions that we make every single day. And it only happens every single day. But there's an incredible thing that happens. Because remember Newton's law? Remember Newton's law and it says an object at rest stays at rest, right? That means if we're along the path, we want to stay along that path. If we are not moving anywhere, we want to stay right there. But once we get moving, the second part of the law kicks in. Because while an object at rest stays at rest, an object in motion stays in motion. See, that's what we call momentum. That's what we call the effect of compound interest. Once it gets started going, it stays in the same direction. It wants to keep going. Now, I, I have an uh, example that I want to show you, and I hope I don't mess this up. Otherwise, well, you're the one in the front row, so you're going to be getting the problem. But I have a thing here. So... <clears throat> I got this glass jar, and I, I saw this on a TV show. We have this glass jar, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some water in it because we got to give it a little bit of weight. Pouring water. I'm not going to do this for 18 years. Uh, I'm just going to do it for a couple minutes just to give it a little bit of weight. One for me. And then, <sighs> pie tin. Can you see where it's from? If you haven't been there, you need to go. All right. And then, uh, finally have a use for one of these. Sometimes it's not fun to see one of these. All right. Sometimes it's absolutely terrifying to see one of these. And then, an orange. All right. That's it. Unless one of you has a flaming bowling ball that you want to throw up here. Then it would be really fun. The orange stays where it is, right? And, and if we were in a... If we were in a vacuum and uh, all we had was the pull of gravity and it went on and on, what we would see is that this orange is exactly where it's supposed to be. And it's supported by this toilet paper roll, empty toilet paper roll. And, and it's supported by this tray, this pie tin. And so it stays where it is. Because an object at rest stays at rest. But when we do something drastic... 
when we do something to alter the things that are holding us in the place in our lives where we are. Are you hearing me, some of you? When we make the decision that we're not going to let the things that are holding us exactly where they are stay there. When we take the drastic step of pushing aside the things that are holding us in our place. The orange, even though there was a lot of pressure pushing aside the things that were holding it there. The orange kept going in a straight line, right? And and if this jar were bigger and deeper, that orange would have kept going down, down, straight in an exact straight line. Because an object in motion stays in motion. And the more that we make those decisions every day, the more that we decide that, listen, I can't do it, God, because I can't. I've got to let you help me do it. I've got to let you help me put me where I need to be. I need your help in making those decisions a little bit at a time. That if I do that, I will become an object in motion. And I'll stay in motion. Newton says so. But God also says so. Change can't happen overnight. It can't. Any of you who've ever been on a fad diet, and listen, I've been on every single one of them. If you've ever been on one, you know, man, it works for a week and then it comes back at you with a vengeance. It doesn't happen all the time, but this is the thing we have to remember. Change doesn't happen in a day, but change does happen daily. It's not something that we can expect to immediately happen. But like Elisha, who was faithful and who every day made the decision to stay where he was, to keep doing what he was supposed to be doing, he built up that momentum in his life. And daily is how it happens. And it can happen for you. It can happen for me. It can happen for all of us. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.